Home, home, home. Escape pod. 184. December 25th, 2008. Today's story. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly. By Merle Lafferty. Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. Yes, we're back. Did you miss me? I missed you. It's been a good break, and one that was needed. You've all been extraordinarily supportive, and I'm still catching up on all the email. I know there was some doubt, and I can't blame you for that, because you didn't know what I knew. What I knew was that we had to be back, because of three words that came from Mer Lafferty when I spoke to her in November. Three words that absolutely guaranteed that Escape Pod would return, must return, by December 25th. Two of those words were Christmas story. The third word was jetpacks. So, without further teasing or ado, we present As Dry Leaves That Before the Wild Hurricane Fly by Mer Lafferty. Miss Lafferty lives in North Carolina and is often hailed as the grand dam of podcasting. Hey, I've seen the tiara. It's no joke. She's the mind behind Geek Fu Action Grip, the Heaven Patio Book series, the superhero podcast novel Keeps His Bar, now available in print from Swarm Press, the zombie series The Takeover, the video podcast This Day in Alternate History, and the best writing podcast on the planet, I Should Be Writing. If that's not enough, she's also the co-author of Tricks of the Podcasting Masters, a columnist for Knights of the Dinner Table and the Suicide Girls website, the founder of the Parsec Awards, and a former editor of our horror podcast, Pseudopod. Simply put, Mer rocks. You can find out all about her stuff at merverse.com. We're delighted to be able to maintain the tradition of a Mer Lafferty Escape Pod Christmas story for a fourth year running. The story is read for us by one of my other favorite women in podcasting, Christiana Ellis. Christiana is the author of the podcast novels Space Casey and Nina Kimberly the Merciless, and the daily short podcast Christiana's Shallow Thoughts, which has entertained me for 258 days straight now. You can find out more about Christiana, her work, and puppies at ChristianaEllis.com. So hide the plans, close off the secret passage, and try to look nonchalant. It's story time. As Dry Leaves That Before the Wild Hurricane Fly By Mer Lafferty Dasher! Dancer! Prancer! Vixen! Comet! Cupid! Donna! Blitzen! Rudolph! I want all my children in the sitting room. Comet's father had a booming voice that stretched to the bedrooms, kitchen, and the workshop where Comet worked with her twin, Cupid. I hate it when he calls us like that. It's like he's calling a bunch of animals or something. Or a traveling circus. Not his children, Comet said, tightening a bolt on the engine she was working on. Cupid put down his blowtorch. I think he likes how it sounds. We'd better go see what he wants. Comet wiped her hands. He tells us to come in here and work. He tells us to attend a family meeting. He should make up his mind. Her twin put his arm around her shoulders. Don't fuss, Comet. It's probably important for him to call everyone. Prancer and Vixen were their younger adopted siblings. Sisters two years apart, they were adopted from the same orphanage that all the children were. 
save Rudolph. Mr. and Mrs. Claus liked to adopt siblings, they said, because they were harder to find families for. After years of adopting children when they thought they couldn't have a child, Mrs. Claus turned up pregnant with Rudolph. She then died in childbirth. Comet and Cupid were fifteen, and took after their father, both spending the most time in the workshop tinkering with father's tools. Christmas was coming soon, and they were preparing their yearly trip to the same orphanage that had cared for them. With nine children to raise on his own, Claus could no longer adopt, but he still found it very important to care for the children in any way he could. So he took a load of toys to the children every year, with his children helping him distribute. Their siblings sat around the great sitting-room, some crowding on sofas, some sitting on chair cushions or arms, and Rudolph, the baby, at eleven, sat at his father's feet. He was an imposing man with a barrel chest and wild white hair and beard. When he would get excited about a project, his blue eyes would twinkle and he'd look like a madman. "'I've been called to London,' he said. "'The Queen wishes to have a meeting with me.' "'Right before Christmas?' asked Dasher, the eldest sister at nineteen. The other children raised similar protests. Claus held up his hands. "'I can't tell her no, children. I should be back by Friday. Until then, Dasher is in charge of the house, and Comet is in charge of the workshop.' Comet felt her twin stiffen by her side, but couldn't suppress the thrill running up her spine. "'The rest of you,' Claus continued, "'will continue to work on the toys for the orphanage. We're close to being done. I have faith that you will finish the work in plenty of time. We've got a week and two days before Christmas, and I'll be back in plenty of time.' He released the children, and Comet and Cupid headed back to the workshop, grumbling. Dasher in charge, Cupid said. I can't believe it. She's so bossy. Comet shrugged. I think that's why she's in charge. Prancer and Vixen won't listen to anyone else but her and father. Comet perked up to voices in the workshop. She stopped in surprise, stumbling when Cupid ran into her back. Claus and Rudolph were behind welder's masks, studying the metal that Claus soldered. Comet! Cupid! Claus boomed, bringing up the shield on his helmet. Come and see what Rudolph has come up with. Comet and Cupid approached them. Rudolph's pale face lit up in a shy grin when he saw them. What did you do, Rudy? Comet asked. Cupid choked when he saw what Claus hefted to show. My jetpack! What have you done to it? Nothing, their younger brother said. I just thought it would look nicer with some decoration. Cupid bent to look closer, still keeping a safe distance from the hot metal. Comet peeked over his shoulder. Cupid had still refused to show it to her until he was done, and she hadn't gotten a look this close yet. Stiff leather straps were arranged in a way to look as if they fit over shoulders and around the waist. Settled tightly against the back were three canisters that had newly welded brass decorations welded to them. The brass resembled ivy and curled and wrapped around the canisters. "'What's that for?' Cupid asked. Comet sighed. 
Her brothers were nearly united in their scorning of Rudolph, although he looked up to them a great deal. Decoration, father said. If we can produce these on a mass level, we'll need to make them attractive for the marketplace. He frowned. He had a habit of being either blind or confused to his children's rivalries or bullying. Claus's enthusiasm dampened Cupid's anger. Y you think it could be mass-produced? My invention? Well, we'll have to do extensive testing first. But with your ingenuity and Rudolph's design, this could be something amazing. Claus grinned broadly, his good mood infectious as always. Is it ready to show, Cupid? Comet asked pointedly, glancing at Rudolph's worried face. Yes, Cupid said, losing his annoyance altogether. He took the flying device from Claus and settled it on Comet's back. The two canisters on the outside are filled with combustible liquids. To start it, you pump this lever and that gets the fuel flowing. Then they meet in this center canister where we light a spark, which ignites it. Comet assembled the straps around her shoulders and waist, cinching them tightly. Let's do it! Claus's booming laugh filled the workshop. Ha 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 ha! Comet, darling, you would either smash into the ceiling or your skirts would catch on fire. We've got to modify this for safety, Cupid, but you're on the right track. Comet made a face. Or I could not wear skirts. Father eyed her skirts and nodded. I could fashion some pants made out of the protective material we use in our gloves. Cupid helped her out of the device. Better think about boots, too. Claus nodded. You really did something special here, Cupid. Can you have a working prototype by the time I'm back? Cupid went pale. I... I he swallowed. I can help, piped up Rudolph. Cupid's lip rose in a sneer, but Comet poked him in the back before he could speak. We both will, Father. You'll have your prototype. Comet, I'll need you to work on our project, but if you have time left over, you can help your brothers, Claus said. Comet nodded, trying not to grin wildly. With eight siblings and one parent, each took it very seriously when Claus singled one of them out. This would not be much of a change from their usual day. Comet and Cupid always spent their free time in the workshop with their father. Both had a fascination with anything that could fly. Cupid had worked on his jetpack idea, and Comet had aided Claus on the construction of a zeppelin. They hadn't test-flown it yet, and the older siblings were skeptical of it working. This only made Comet work harder, though, dead set on proving them wrong. The next few days, Comet kept an eye on Rudolph and Cupid when she couldn't be with them. She was surprised to see the brothers cooperating for the first time ever. Rudolph did everything Cupid asked, quickly and deftly. His small hands sewed fire-resistant material to Cupid's boots and developed a fire-resistant flap to hang from the jetpack to protect the legs. Comet was installing a large helium gas tank to the Zeppelin on Wednesday afternoon, so she missed the first field test of the jetpack. She ran outside when she heard Rudolph's frightened calls. Cupid had lost control of the device and slammed into a tree, knocking himself senseless. Dasher's younger sister, Dancer, who served as the family's healer, proclaimed him well enough, patched his scrapes, and sent him to bed with an ice pack. 
So what went wrong? Comet asked Rudolph. He swallowed and looked intently at the device, slightly dented and still cooling down from the test flight. He had the calculations wrong. The angles need adjusting. How do you know that? He looked like he was going to cry. They were wrong from the beginning. I tried to tell him, but he said my role was to help, not correct. Comet sighed at her twin's nearly fatal pride. Rudolph, fix it. Cupid will kill me, he said. No, he'll have to kill me first. And he's in no shape to plan anyone's murder. If you know how to fix it, do so. Father wants this done soon, and Cupid can't work on it now. He nodded silently. Comet helped him pick up the device and carry it back to the workshop. Hey, Rudy, was it fast? He grinned at her at last. It's really fast. Cupid remained in bed for two days, going over the designs and grudgingly admitting his mistakes. Comet spent her mornings with the house tutor and her siblings, learning boring history and writing, and her afternoons in the workshop with Claus's Zeppelin. Evenings were spent with Rudolph modifying the jetpack and testing it. They tried to get their most expendable sibling, Dasher, to test it, but she refused. Rudolph, the chivalrous knight, when Comet was concerned anyway, wouldn't let Comet test, so he was the default choice, even though his slight body fit loosely in the harness. "'You sure you're ready for this?' Comet asked, checking the dials and the angles of the exhaust. He grinned. "'Let's go!' He sparked the combustion, keeping the fuel flow low as the flames spurted out the tubes. Comet looked at his gauges and made a note. Okay, take it to thirty percent. He increased the fuel flow, and his legs lifted off the ground, making him hover slightly. Fantastic! Comet cried. Now try to move around. He tugged on a chain hanging from his left shoulder, and he drifted to the left. Pulling on the opposite chain directed him to the right. Comet clapped her hands. It really works! Okay, turn it off and let's get the notes to Cupid. He'll be thrilled. Rudolph lowered the fuel consumption and touched down. I think we did a good job. She hugged him. I know we did. Father will be so proud of you and Cupid. They went to hang the jetpack on the wall of the workshop where they ran into claws. His normally twinkling eyes were dull and his fine waistcoat was unbuttoned and rumpled as if he had no care of his appearance any more. His white beard was matted and smelled strongly of beer. Comet wrinkled her nose. Father, what happened? The queen has revoked our stipend, Claus said. She's found a new pet, another inventor, a Nikolai Tesla from Austria. He's getting the stipend and this manor. We have to vacate before the new year and leave all our tools and supplies behind. They are sending people here to inventory on Saturday. But, Rudolph blurted, your, your Zeppelin, the jetpacks, Blitzen's inventions. And they're coming two days after Christmas? Comet added. We've lost it all, Claus said. We live at the whim of Her Royal Highness Queen Victoria. 
that devil Tesla will be residing here when we leave. He slumped on his workbench, his beard brushing his ample belly. Comet embraced him, speechless, and hid her tears in his white hair. It's okay, Papa, she whispered. We'll figure something out. Comet, my forever optimist, he said, wrapping his arms around her. My idea, girl. No matter how much they complained about Dasher, she was good at organizing the family. With claws in a slumped depression, she had the children making lists of what belonged to them and what would have to be inventoried for the new residents of their home. She was so bossy about it that they forgot to be sad and just ended up resenting her perfectionist mentality. Still, she couldn't be everywhere, so while in the room she shared with Prancer and Vixen, Comet packed her clothes and tried to comfort the girls. "'What will we do? I like it here,' said Prancer. "'Father will think of something,' Comet said absently, wondering if a book on advanced mathematics would be missed. "'Will we be poor?' asked Vixen, her shy voice cutting through Comet's forced nonchalance. She put down her undershirts and hugged her sister tightly. Vixen hugged her back and then sat on the floor, worrying at her little rag doll that Blitzen had modified with clockwork the previous Christmas, making it walk around. Comet wondered if they would have to dissect the doll to take out the clockwork for the new inventor. "'Father can find work anywhere. He'll find a patron, I promise,' Comet said. "'He'll have to start from square one,' said Dancer, bustling into the room with her list. "'If he can't take anything with him, I wonder what he did to upset the Queen.' Maybe he didn't do anything. Maybe it's this new inventor. Maybe she just likes him better. Comet watched Vixen's doll toddle around the room, something whispering at the edge of her mind. Dancer? Her older sister checked some things off her list as she looked around the room. Hmm? We really shouldn't abandon the orphanage. Not at Christmas. We don't have much of a choice, Comet. Father needs us here to help with inventory and packing. Time is running out. Comet pressed on. Father is still friends with the manager, right? Yes, but what does that have to do with anything? I'm not sure yet. Give me an hour, Comet said, and ran off to find Blitzen. She found Blitzen in the workshop, separating the tools Claus owned from those purchased with the Queen's stipend. He was skeptical of her idea. It won't work. It's too risky. They'll find out, and the Zeppelin's never been flown. And we don't have anywhere to go. He probably would have continued, but he was interrupted. I love it, came the booming voice from Claus. He stood in the doorway of the workshop, dressed in his resplendent red coat. Blitzen pursed his lips, but didn't say anything. Claus blew into the room like a winter storm, loud and overwhelming. Blitzen, you follow Comet's instructions. Drop everything. Comet, get Rudolph working on Cupid's jetpacks. Get Cupid back on the project. We'll need him on this. Comet nodded, grinning. Blitzen blew air out of his nose. If he were speaking to any of his siblings, he would have shouted. But with Claus, he held his temper. Father, where will we go? will be hunted by the man who will have the queen's favor and her coffers. He'll find us. Claus's eyes twinkled. 
I haven't mentioned it because I've never needed it, but I did inherit some land some years ago. It has a small house. With the brilliance of my children, I'm sure we can build it into a home. Where is it? Blitzen asked. North. Dasher amazed them. Comet and her siblings had always assumed she was prim and proper and cared not for the dirtier hobbies of the rest of them. And perhaps this was still true, but what they failed to realize was that Dasher simply liked to boss people around. And with the proper guidance from Claus, she proved herself to be a leader with the ferocity of a field general. With Dasher's eye for organization, she had Prancer and Vixen packing, Donner, Blitzen, Cupid, and Rudolph working in the workshop on their own projects, and her own twin doing inventory. She had two lists, things that belonged to the family, and things that they were clearly stealing from the crown. Comet had the best job of all. She worked around the clock with Claus to get the Zeppelin ready for launch. They'd never launched it, never flown it, all of their assumptions were based on math and hope. Considering it was needed to carry their entire family away on Friday, it was a little worrisome. Once they actually had a plan, their father had a new light in his eyes. He worked like one of Blitzen's constructs, sleeping little and working on the Zeppelin with a passion the children had not seen before. It was the afternoon before Christmas, although the family barely registered it with their stress when Comet suggested they take it for a test flight, though Claus was hesitant. This is a big airship, Comet. It will attract attention in the township. Not if we launch at night, she said. He frowned. A test flight at night? That's dangerous. But we're going to leave on Friday at dusk. How is that safer? He had no argument, and thus he went to the parental standby. He just said no. It was probably the excitement and the lack of sleep, but this had Comet stomping from the workshop, tears in her eyes. She ran into Cupid and Rudolph in the hallway, laughing at something. Cupid caught her by the shoulders. Whoa, Comet, what's wrong? Father expects us to put the whole family at risk on Friday by launching the Zeppelin, but if I want to do a test launch tomorrow, it's too dangerous. Rudolph shrugged. So? Let's take it out after he goes to bed. It'll be like our Christmas Eve adventure. Comet stared at her younger brother. He had changed so much in the past few days. The triumph with the jetpacks and the new respect from Cupid. He stood straighter and stuck his chin out more. Cupid grinned. Couldn't hurt. Comet gaped at them. It could hurt. It could hurt a lot. If we crash the thing, then we won't have any way of getting out of here on Friday. We could get killed! And worse, we could make Father angry. They laughed at her, and her cheeks burned. Cupid was supposed to be on her side. He put his hand on her elbow, and she tried to shrug it off. Do you have faith in your work? Cupid asked. She shrugged. You can't ask me to run this based on faith. Sure, I think the calculations are right, but I won't know till we test. Cupid clapped his hands. So, we need a test. Meet at eleven o'clock in the warehouse? Comet chewed her lower lip and then finally nodded. Crashing on Friday would be worse than Claus punishing them. She tried not to think about what would happen if they crashed that night. 
Late night test flight. Wonderful idea, Cupid. Brilliant, Comet said, pacing back and forth, pulling her coat around her. She had dressed as warmly as she could have, with heavy skirts, long coat, hat, and to avoid the wind, the goggles she wore in the workshop. She blew on her icy hands, cursing the wind that blew through the open bay doors of the workshop. The zeppelin slid forward easily on wheels to the field beyond the workshop. Comet had gotten there at ten-thirty to get the machine in place so she could begin the lengthy launch preparation. She was finishing the initial prep when Cupid and Rudolph arrived, lugging their jetpacks. "'Why did you bring those?' Comet asked. "'Safety,' said Cupid. "'If we need to jump ship, we can get away safely.' "'And me?' "'We'll carry you between us,' said Rudolph, grinning. "'Dignified,' Comet muttered. "'Help me secure the balloon as it inflates.' They worked quickly and efficiently, making Comet realize that they really did trust her and the monstrosity. With the balloon nearly inflated, Rudolph surveyed their work. This is beautiful, Comet. She blushed, but had to admit he was right. The brass frame around the balloon was made from an alloy she'd invented, very light and strong. Like Rudolph's work, it was made with aesthetics in mind with graceful curls and designs. The cabin underneath was a ship Father had sailed on in his youth, with a wide deck about one-third the length of the balloon, and four small cabins underneath. Near the rear of the zeppelin sat the engine that powered a propeller. The cabin lurched, and Comet tightened her coat. "'It's time to get on!' Cupid nodded and reached for the ladder hanging from the deck. But Rudolph grinned his mischievous grin and fired up his jetpack, shooting into the air. Show off! Cupid yelled. They followed the trail of their brother's flames as he looped around in the air, already seeming to be unnatural. Then he shot down the hill toward the town. What the hell is he doing? said Cupid. I have no idea, but we need to get on this thing before it takes off without us. Rudolph came screaming back up the hill at a pace faster than seemed safe, and dove straight for the workshop. Cupid swore as he joined Comet on the deck of the Zeppelin. What in all hells is he doing? Rudolph had pulled out of his dive, shot straight up into the air, and then slowly lowered himself. You're right, he is a show-off, Comet said. Then to Rudolph, Would you get up here, show-off? Rudolph's eyes were wide in the lantern light, and he screamed up at them. "'The Queen's new inventor! He's coming now in some sort of mechanical carriage! He's not alone!' Comet and Cupid stared at each other. Cupid fired his jets and jumped overboard, as Comet went for the ladder, cursing the fact that he had a much better shortcut than she did. Once she reached the ground, she tore into the workshop after her brother's. They had already woken the house, and their siblings and claws were grumbling at them, rubbing their eyes. Rudolph was babbling. No, you don't understand. They're coming now. If they get up here before we leave, we'll lose everything. We have to leave now. Blitzen came to his senses first, smacking Donner in the back of the head and wake him up further. They ran back into their room to begin grabbing their belongings. Comet thanked the good Lord that they had already packed the Zeppelin with most of their belongings, and she had everything she owned on her back. Rudolph fretted at her to hurry up. He was about three kilometers away, but moving fast. 
"'How do you know it was him?' asked Little Vixen. He glared at her. "'Who else would build such a machine and put it on the road to our house in the middle of the night? "'Am I wrong, father?' Claus slung a pack of clothes over his shoulder. "'Best not to take any chances, Rudolph. You were right.' He walked down the hall toward the workshop. "'But it takes too long to prepare the ship.' He'd reached the workshop doors. He stopped, dumbstruck, in front of the empty space. Comet came up behind him and touched his elbow. "'The ship is ready to go, Father. I I'm sorry. Cupid and R Rudolph and I were going to take it for a test flight.' He made a sound low in his throat, and she shrank back. His eyes usually twinkled, but this time they glittered. After I told you not to. She nodded, looking down at the floor. And did you know we had enough helium for only one flight? That if we didn't have to evacuate tonight, we wouldn't have been able to leave on Friday? I didn't know, Father. Father, I'm, I'm sorry. He strode toward his work table, muttering about irresponsible children. She hung her head, but was shaken out of her embarrassment and shame by Dasher, demanding to know if she was packed, and if so, to get out of the way so her siblings could make it to the ship. "'Comet, prepare the ship,' Father said, rolling up his plans and stuffing them into a map tube. She nodded and ran back outside. Snow began to fall, and Comet prayed visibility up in the air would be low. Prancer, Vixen, and Cupid were already on deck the girls pointing down the road and yelling. The manor sat on a hill with about a kilometer's visibility, and Tesla's mechanical carriage had come much closer. It crept along steadily at the speed of a trotting horse, lanterns hanging outside it, but glowing with a weird color. "'He's using gas lanterns on a carriage,' Vixen, the little chemist, said. "'That's really dangerous. It could be explosive.' "'Let's just hope he explodes before reaching here, then,' Comet said, pushing the button to prime the engine. The propeller behind the Zeppelin began to turn, and as it turned, the engine coughed into life. She breathed a sigh of relief. The rest of the family, save Rudolph, joined her on the deck, Claus still not looking at her. He walked to the bow of the ship and gave a gesture to release the Zeppelin from its anchor. Comet had practiced this with Prancer and Vixen, who ran quickly to free the ship as she adjusted the helium valve. They tipped a little to the left, then to the right, and then they rose into the air. Rudolph appeared beside them, keeping their slow pace with his jetpack. Cupid glared at him. He's going to waste all his fuel. How many other jetpacks do you have? Comet asked. Four? That's all the fuel I could find. I was planning on getting more when we went to London next, but... He spread his hands wide helplessly. She nodded. Bring me one, please. He looked at her and raised an eyebrow. She grinned. You said it yourself. For safety. The truth was she was dying to try one out and had vowed to be as experimental and reckless as her brothers as soon as they had cleared the threat of the rival inventor. He shrugged and did as she asked. Claus walked to the railing and looked down at Tesla's machine, about half a kilometer away. Rudolph said he wasn't alone, 
I don't see anyone else. Comet swallowed as her insides went cold. Don't look down, father. Look out. Claus had told Comet about the aerocopter and how he wanted to make one after they had finished with the Zeppelin. With him, Cupid, and Comet, he said, they could conquer the skies. However, Tesla seemed to have the same goals. Three men in personal aerocopters buzzed out of the cloud cover and made their way toward them, faster than Tesla's ground vehicle could go. Comet didn't see how they could work. They seemed to be little more than blades attached to a metal frame holding a seat. Each pilot wore a black leather helmet and goggles, masking his identity. Claus swore and grabbed Comet's upper arm and pointed. She finally saw what he indicated. Small engines, impossibly small, hidden underneath the seats, powered the aerocopters. "'Those are too small. How are they working?' Comet asked. "'I don't know. It must be a new form of energy. I would love to study it.' "'Father, maybe we should be concentrating on something else right now?' He shook his head, snapping out of his interested scientist mannerism. Uh, "'You're right. We need to get Rudolph on the ship and try to lose them in the cloud cover. Can we get some altitude?' She nodded and attended to the valve, then turned the wheel. The gas hissed and they rose into the air as the aerocopters buzzed toward them. Blitzen, no, it was Quiet Donner, swore loudly, and Comet allowed her focus to switch from the balloon to her brother. She almost always knew subconsciously where her twin was— and the moment she looked up she realized what he'd done. Cupid and Rudolph had raced off in their jetpacks to... do what, exactly? They had no weapons. What they were doing was tantamount to unarmed men charging a cavalry. Claus's booming voice filled the air as he commanded his children to return to the ship, but Comet's brothers paid him no mind. The aerocopters had come close to them now, no matter how fast Comet had tried to climb, and had surrounded them. However, as maneuverable as they were, Comet and Rudolph were more agile still. They darted in and out, pestering the copter's pilots, so that they couldn't focus entirely on the Zeppelin. Comet gritted her teeth, and she slipped into the harness changed to the wheel. Blitzen was closest to her, watching their brothers swarm around the aerocopters. She called him to her. "'Get everyone down below. This is going to get rough.' "'Are you sure?' You can't do this on your own, Comet. The air split nearby as Tesla fired something from his ground machine. Something between a laser and a missile. Something Comet didn't want hitting their Zeppelin. We have harnesses for only two. Get Father into the other one and get everyone else down below. Comet turned the wheel and reduced the pressure on the valve, causing them to dip to the right. And hurry! I can't make evasive maneuvers when people are just standing on the deck. If I drop too fast... He finally understood and ran to gather their siblings to usher them below decks. As soon as Claus slipped into the harness strapped to the bow and the children disappeared below decks, Comet went into action. Their zeppelin was built for pleasure, but Claus wanted the Queen to see its potential as a warship, so they built it to be quick, or as quick as a balloon and propeller could be, anyway, and to be fitted with weapons. Sadly, they had few weapons actually equipped, and Comet was painfully aware of this as another missile screamed through the fog, frighteningly close. Claus looked like a mad sea captain, snow caught in his beard and his eyes flashing in the lantern light. Comet! 
he shouted. Dive! She flipped a switch to release some of the gas in the balloon quickly, and they sank, leaving the aerocopters above them. She hoped her brothers would continue to bother them. Her siblings below screamed at the loss of altitude, and Comet closed the vent in the balloon and turned up the gas, reinflating it and leveling out the ship. Comet! She looked away from her gauges to see Cupid and Rudolph keeping pace with the ship. Cupid's jacket was ripped, but he looked fine otherwise. What is the plan? We can't keep them off forever. We're low on fuel. Comet looked at her father, who looked at the approaching aerocopters with something like longing. Get them in front of the bow. Grip them as tightly as you can. When you hear me yell, then scatter. Fast. Cupid gave her a thumbs up and went to engage the aerocopters. He was clever. Comet had to give it to him. He and Rudolph swarmed them again, not leading them directly to the bow, but gradually guiding them, cutting them off when they got too close to the zeppelin. To her end, she took the ship around to face them. "'What are you doing, Comet?' asked Claus. "'We're not equipped to battle them!' Comet's father had forgotten that they did have one weapon, but only one shot. She angled down a little bit, pleased that her brothers had forced the aerocopters below them, she toyed with a green button with a cross-hatched design and forced herself to wait and get a little closer. "'Don't worry, Father. We do have one weapon,' she said, and took a deep breath to call her brothers off their prey. "'Cupid, now!' Cupid and Rudolph shot upward, away from their aerocopters. A large net deployed straight from under the bow, entangling the aerocopters' blades. The sound was terrific— much shouts of dismay and fear, a horrible wrenching sound as the copter blades tangled further in the net, two screams of terror as the net destroyed two of the copters but failed to ensnare them and the pilots plummeted. The zeppelin groaned as the unexpected weight of the captured aerocopter pulled the bow down, and Comet wrestled with the wheel to right the ship. Father cheered, and Comet laughed, adrenaline making her shake. Cupid and Rudolph approached them, shouting their triumph. Cupid glided in easily and embraced his twin tightly, laughing and patting her on the back. She disengaged herself and looked to her younger brother. Rudolph's face was white as his jetpack sputtered only ten meters from the deck. He made a futile grab for the railing, but it was much too far away. His jetpack gasped, and then he was gone. Rudolph had flown much more than Cupid that night. He was out of fuel. Rudolph! screamed Cupid. He made to go after him, but Klaus stopped him. You don't have enough fuel! he screamed at his sobbing son. We can't lose you too! He pointed to Cupid's red fuel gauge. But by then, Comet was out of her harness. She dashed to the railing, passed her brother and father, vaulted over it, and dove into the storm. She realized belatedly that she should have turned the jet on before she fell to make sure it worked, but she was gratified to hear the jets roar to life as she fiddled with her vest. With her increased momentum, she fell at a frightening rate, the wind tearing at her skirts and braid. How was she going to find him in this snowstorm? What had she been thinking? She probably wouldn't be able to see the ground before she crashed into it. Then... A red flame flickered in the fog. Once, twice, 
and she realized Rudolph's jetpack continued to gutter and flame as it depleted its gas. She altered her trajectory a bit and caught sight of it again. She could hear him now, screaming in the wind. She increased her speed and finally saw the lights on his jetpack, flickering, indicating she was quite close. Rudolph! She got his attention right before she slammed into him, painfully, and for a moment they tumbled in midair. Rudolph grabbed her and held on tight, wrapping his gloved hands in her vest as she steadied him. She adjusted the jets to right them. <laughs> Show off, he said, laughing raggedly. With some trial and error, Comet got them back to the ship, where their white-faced father welcomed them with a crushing hug. Claws steered the ship deeper into the clouds, and they could tell by Tesla's errant shooting that he had lost them. Dancer attended their wounds. Claws had been right. One doesn't wear skirts with a jetpack. Comet had burned through her heavy skirts from the knee down. The flames had only begun to lick her boots and calves, so her burns were minor. Rudolph suffered from complete terror, so Blitzen gave him a sip from his flask of whiskey, and he fell asleep below deck. Claus, meanwhile, used Blitzen and Donner's help to bring in the ensnared aerocopter, swinging gently beneath the zeppelin during all the excitement. Comet's brothers locked the shaken pilot into a cabin below deck as Claus looked at the aerocopter with a reverent look on his face. "'Merry Christmas, Father,' Comet said, coming up behind him. He cradled the black box, the secret to the aerocopter's propulsion, in his hands. "'I haven't gotten you anything yet.' Comet laughed. "'I have a zeppelin and a jetpack. What more could a girl want?' They had one more thing to do. Cupid tethered the zeppelin to the roof of the orphanage in town, and Claus, Cupid, Blitzen, and Dancer strapped on the remaining jetpacks with fuel and flew to the ground with all of the toys stuffed with Father's and Blitzen's clockwork, most of their secrets. They deposited the bags on the front steps, and Comet's siblings flew away while Father explained the presence and their importance to the bemused orphanage mistress. "'Will they keep them safe?' Comet asked Claus as she turned the zeppelin north into the storm. He waved at the angry aerocopter pilot whom they'd left on the roof of the orphanage. "'Sabrina has promised not a one will be thrown out. Our clockwork and our plans are safe within.' Blitzen frowned. "'They'll all be broken, though, and I don't think it was a good idea to give your plans to the mistress.' We trust her with children, Blitzen, and a broken toy is better than a working design in Tesla's hands. You can also fix or reproduce something broken. If we were captured with that on board, Tesla would have all of our plans, all of your clockwork secrets. Right now, we hide them in a place no one will ever look. And if we're caught, all they'll have is the Zeppelin. Right now, our biggest concern is to make it to our new home and set up shop. We'll be back next year to retrieve the plans. Maybe by then you'll have made some new toys for the children, Dancer suggested. Claus wrapped his arm around her. Of course! Why mess with tradition? We'll return next year at Christmas. They looked over the railing at the city as it grew smaller. They had little but the Zeppelin and each other, but Comet didn't worry about the future. 
Her father smiled sadly at the lights in the city where he'd be returning next Christmas, as a wanted man, and whispered, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. And that was our Christmas story. And, yeah, I know, reindeer, kids, it's not the same thing. But the thing is, this is how legends get started. The lens of folklore takes what was already extraordinary and distorts it, wrapping totally different imagery around the same emotional core. A temperamental Romanian king becomes the vampire Dracula. The bubonic plague becomes a cheery but haunting children's rhyme. A military balloon test in New Mexico becomes alien conspiracy. Given that sort of magnification, it's no surprise that something as mundane as a philanthropist inventor with his orphan geniuses would have to get spruced up to something interesting, become a magic toy tycoon with a sleigh and reindeer and... No, wait, scratch that. This story has Zeppelins in it. Zeppelins totally kick ass over sleighs. I pick steampunk Santa. And if I see this clause and these kids at Costumes at Dragon Con next year, I will kneel and kiss the ground before you. So, meanwhile, we're still spinning back up to speed here. I'm going to leave story feedback hanging just a little while longer. Actually, we're so far behind on it now, I'm thinking we may just have to do a metacast with a big catch-up sprint. We do have some more Flash for you, too. We'll be queuing that up over the next couple of weeks. And although we're not sponsored by it this week, I thought I'd let you know, Scott Sigler's sequel to Infected, Contagious, hits bookstores on December 30th. I'm lucky enough to have an advanced copy of it, and all I can say is, ha. If you've got bookstore gift cards for Christmas, I think this is a good use for them. I'll have more to say about Escape Pod later, but for now, just know that we're back. We're also a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. You can give the gift of Escape Pod all you like, but don't get all commercial on it, man. And don't distort the message. Share it like it is, with love and surf rock and jetpacks. If you like it, tell a friend about us. And if you really like it, yeah, you know what? It's still December, and it's Christmas. Please, do donate to us if you want to, that's cool, but... More than that, give to the charity that's doing something that you believe in. Oh, and check out our sister podcasts, too, Pseudopod for Horror and Podcastle for Fantasy, at their .org domains. They're totally free, too. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. Our special closing song, come on, we gotta. It's Chiron Beta Prime by Jonathan Colton. You can find more of his free music at jonathancolton.com. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from my wife's favorite rock musician, John Bon Jovi. I saw him in concert this year. I have to admit, he's pretty hot. Anyway, he said, Believe in love. Believe in magic. Hell, believe in Santa Claus. Believe in others. Believe in yourself. Believe in your dreams. If you don't, who will? We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun. Been a little crazy for the Andersons, you may recall.